How much money do you need to start a business? This is Company of One, episode number 111. Welcome to the Company of One podcast featuring Dale Callahan. Dedicated to helping you find freedom in life and with your career. Learn how to not only increase your income, but take control of the income you acquire. Let's ignite that inner entrepreneur in you. Now, welcoming your host, Dale Callahan. Okay, today we're going to be hitting that subject of money and startup money. This is a continuation from the last episode where I talked about the four obstacles in getting started. The four obstacles I hear over and over and over again about getting started in a business. The first one of those and the kind of immediate one people throw up is, I don't have enough money to get started. The assumption that people have, it's a cost over $100,000 to start a business. That's typical. Uh, that's a typical assumption. And the, uh, the the fact is that about 60% plus businesses start with less than $10,000. Let me just point out something to you on business statistics. We hear this, you know, I'm rattling off this 60%. You know, it sounds so authoritative. 60%, you know, costs less than $10,000. And and we hear the Small Business Administration say, you know, 30% of the businesses go out of business in such and such time. Um, we used to say 80% of the businesses go out of business in five years. I noticed the other day the Small Business Administration is saying, um, it's a smaller percentage, but it's a per- businesses with employees go out of business. It's a very interesting concept um, because there's so many solopreneurs out there that are kind of working on their own that don't have quote-unquote employees, uh, which we're going to talk about in a minute. But here's, here's the thing about business statistics. They're all lies because we really don't know. Right. The only way that somebody knows that there's a business, such as the government agency, that knows that there's a business, is if you go out, you start a business, and you go out and you file for business. You file for a business license. You file as an LLC, a company with a state. If you just start saying, hey, I'm going to go and start doing plumbing services. I'm going to go out in Craigslist and put out a, I'll do plumbing services, and uh, like a friend of mine does, you know, he goes out there and just, he's killing it, just staying busy as a plumber. And are self-employed, you know, whatever you want to call that. Maybe you don't want to call that as a business, but they don't know he exists. He's paying taxes, you know, and you know he's doing all that kind of stuff. But the data is just not as cut and dried. When we talk about statistics of businesses, it's not as cut and dried. If you're a publicly traded company, sure, there's a million pieces of data on you. If you're a private company that's just kind of operating, especially a smaller one, and you haven't filed all kinds of legal paperwork uh, yet, maybe, they don't know you exist. So when I rattle off these 60%, it's probably more like 80%. Um, and, and when you hear the business failure statistics, I mean, this is a pet peeve of mine. That's only the ones who spend a lot of time doing this stuff. And so there's a lot of other businesses out there that are succeeding that they don't even know about. Uh, so that's just my... So I guess I'll step off my soapbox now about business statistics. But let's talk about money. Again, this is a, a continuation, and this is one of the questions I'm hearing from clients all the time. And it's kind of that initial thing. We get past this very quickly about how much money does it start. But people constantly, constantly make what I think 
and other people think too, are stupid business decisions based upon money. In other words, they go get in debt and they do dumb things and they, they spend money unwisely. So let's talk about how much money do you need to start your business, but maybe more practically, let's just kind of think through it. Now, if you're sitting there, by the way, if, you're, if you've been listening to me and uh, I've got, I notice I have a little bit of echo here now from uh, the studio. We've redone the studio and we have all these. When I did it, I'm in a, I'm in a, uh, a room that has a concrete floor. Not a lot of furniture in, in, in my studio. And by nature of a concrete floor, you get this echo effect, right? You're all familiar with that. And so I had put up sound panels everywhere before. And now I've kind of rearranged and I'm moving to a stand-up desk for podcasting. Uh, so because I've rearranged my sound panels, I notice are not quite in the right spot. So we need to do a little re uh, reconfiguration here. So I apologize for that. And we noticed that in an earlier episode that we were getting some a little bit of that hollow room echo. So if you can bear with us here. You probably didn't even notice it until I said that. So I shouldn't have brought it up. So let's talk about your business. Let's think about things as you want to start a business. Think about, here's the first question I usually ask people. And by the way, if you're an investor or something in a business, you would be asking the same question. Number one, what do you need the money for? Um, a lot of the times people say they need money for equipment and tools. So if think about I'm going to be a home builder. I'm going to build decks. Let's make something simple. I'm going to go out and build decks. I need a certain amount of tools and equipment. Uh, maybe I'm going to do a landscaping company. I need maybe a dump truck, uh, a, a, a bobcat, or some specific equipment that is used for moving dirt. Um, and it, it could be any other kind of thing. I may need, you know, the common thing I hear is I need a computer, I need a printer, uh, I need software. Uh, that does these things. Maybe I need a vehicle. I'll always love that one. I need to get a car that's dedicated just to the business. Yeah. You know, but thinking clearly, when you say I need a bunch of money for a business startup, what is that money for? Another one, we the, probably the more common sense one, and yes, the other one is not common sense. Um, I want to pay myself and my team. Uh, so let, let's just jump back to the first one. I'll get into this a little bit. You know, on equipment, you rent it till you can buy it. On paying yourself and your team, you don't take a day, you don't leave your day job until it's clear that that's the thing to do. By the way, that clarity, we can talk about that more, but that clarity comes at different places for different people. And you don't hire people. Hiring somebody that goes out and starts a business and hires somebody and does the uh, w-2 and puts them on the payroll and get in, and they end up in, they end up in a nightmare immediately we don't want to do that but that's one of the things we do we, we need we need money for equipment we need the money to pay the people including myself and we need the money for marketing um, which is the other those three are typically the ones you see and especially when I look at venture capital startups where they're getting investment usually the money is going into one of those three pockets maybe not in that order probably more from the uh, paying, getting the right people on board, number two, paying for marketing, and number three, paying for equipment. You can call it, you can argue whether those costs are valid or not, 
But that's what they're there for. That's what people do. So what I what I do is I try to help you think through what do you need the money for. So if you before you raise the objection that hey I need I, I don't have the money, start thinking through what does that mean. What kind of business would you start? Because not all businesses are the same. If you're going to start a pharmaceutical uh, uh, development company, developing pharmaceuticals, your costs are tremendous. You don't have enough money, let's put it that way. Uh, you, You need partners that are big and fat and have big fat wallets. doesn't matter whether they're fat. They just have to have a fat wallet. Uh... But if you're for most businesses, you can actually do it fairly cheap. And I bet there's even ways to play the pharmaceutical game fairly cheap uh, with the right partners. So think through that. If you have that objection, just think through, if I was going to start X business, what does the money come from? And don't just write it off. Get a legal pad and just start writing it down. Here's what I need. It's going to cost me this much. You may not have a clue. Just guess. Just what do you need the money for? Um... And by the way, some some people will say, I don't even know where to start in a business. But you kind of probably do. You know, if you're going to start a bakery, you know, you need ovens and you need ingredients and you need places, you know, way to transport. You know, the common sense stuff to you, you may not be a business expert, but you probably have some expertise in baking, at least as a hobby, so you know what you need. So getting clarity on that. Once we get past that, I want to take people through the, how do you do it on the cheap? So let's, let's just talk through a couple of these issues. I'm going to talk to the equipment one first because that's what I came first on the first part here. You never buy equipment that's, uni- that's, that's dedicated to a task. Uh, I love, if you guys are familiar with the Food Network, there was a show called uh, Good Eats with... Alton Brown, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but anyway, if you've watched the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Alton Brown, and he was famous for, because uh, he's a kind of a comedic cook, kind of combined science, comedy, and cooking. I'm not a cook, but he was fun to watch. My wife and my, my boys like watching him. He would pull up a tool that's a unitasker, he called it. It was a tool that was only did one thing in the kitchen. And if you go in your kitchen, all of us have these these unitaskers, right? You know, it's like the the uh, apple peeler. It only does one thing. If you think about a knife, a knife can solve all kind of problems. It can cut meat. It can cut vegetables. It can cut fruits. Uh, can probably do other things I don't even know about. But a an apple peeler just peels an apple. And every time he would say, this is a unitasker, and he would throw it out because he's like, you don't need stuff in your kitchen that only does one thing. We find that a lot of times in business. People will want to buy a tool that does one thing and one thing only. That's probably awesome if your business needs to be highly automated. And the only reason you need to highly automate a business is because you have so much blooming business, processes are your problem. But when you're starting out, processes are not your problem. Profit is your problem. So you get really close to the bone in terms of spending money. Don't spend money. <clears throat> so if I'm looking at equipment for that I'm going to be using for my business, I think about equipment that I already own. People say, well, i got to go buy a computer. Do you own a computer? Yes, I own a computer. But it's not right for the business. 
why not? And usually it's software, it's not big enough, you know, there's all these reasons. And what it really amounts to is they just want a new computer and they want to justify it for the business and get this tax write-off and take all these wonderful benefits of having a business. Look, those things come later. Develop your business first. Use what you already have. If you're going to mow lawns, use the mower that's in the garage. If you're going to do taxes, use your computer, your tools, your calculators. Uh, if you're going to clean out closets, use your measuring tape, whatever you use to do closets. I don't know what that is. If you're going to bake, use your goods. I mean, as long as you can do it legally. I understand when you're baking, there's certain things that you can do and can't do in your house. But actually, you can do a lot of them in your house. I do know that because I have friends of mine who are completely legal food manufacturers who do it all out of their kitchen. There's certain things you've got to do to be legal, but you don't have to go rent facilities and do these things. This is part of the things is we find people have all these assumptions about what it takes to do a business. So one of the ways I get rid of those assumptions, especially when it comes to equipment and the basic needs of a business, is find somebody like yourself. So find a business that's already out there operating. Go talk to those people and find out how they started. You're looking at a lawn care company who has a truck and multiple high-end pieces of equipment. How did those guys start? I bet they started with a mower in their garage. I bet they started with a weed eater in the garage. Because, you know, customers don't care how you get the job done. They just care that you get the job done. Right? And so there's this, there's this thing about using, having the right equipment. But probably the most common sense thing is renting. And this is especially true in, in, in true in tool sensitive businesses such as you know where you need equipment like hand tools. Rent it, rent it. You know, um, a, a guy came to me one day and he said, "I needed a I need a uh, a dump truck because I'm going to be doing some landscaping work." I don't know how much. The, let's say the dump truck was five six thousand dollars. He was a used one, and he wanted to borrow money. And I was like, well, how many landscaping jobs do you have? Well, I've got one, but I'm going to be doing a whole bunch of them. How many do you have lined up? One. Go rent a dump truck, dude. Don't invest five grand for a business you don't even know that's legitimate. When you have so much money rolling in the door because you keep renting the same truck over and over again that the tool rental people know you by first name, and they're just, they have it, they're waiting there with the keys because you rent it all the time, then then you you know and you've got enough money coming in where you can go buy a used truck for a cash and not be you know hitting up somebody for borrowing money then is when you can buy it if it makes sense and on equipment there's the rule we have is it has to have a return on investment if i'm going to invest in $5000 in a dump truck it had better return more than $5,000 really, really fast having that dump truck. In other words, I had better be renting that dump truck so much that it's just stupid not to buy one. In other words, I need to be renting that dump truck where I've spent over $5,000 in rent on that dump truck over the last year. Then it starts to make sense. But I've got to have cash to do it. Um, you always can tell somebody who's been who went gangbusters in a business, uh, and sometimes this is even business furniture. You find people who go gangbusters in a business, and they run out and they buy a bunch of stuff that's unique to their business, and then they're selling it really, really, really cheap. 
later because they went out of business, you know. Matter of fact, Dave Ramsey in his book, Entree Leadership, talks, I think it was in his book, Entree Leadership, talks about the fact that they bought a whole bunch of office furniture from a company that had bought $300,000 worth of office furniture and then later went out of business. So uh, his company bought it on the cheap, I mean, for cents on the dollar. So they got $300,000 worth of office furniture probably for $30,000 or less. So it's brand new furniture, never been used. They went out and bought it. You can find those deals too. So once you get in the cash position in your business, go just find out some, you know, if you're in a landscaping business, find some fool who did it the wrong way and go buy their stuff cheap. And they'll be happy that you did because now they're rid of it and they're rid of that business and you've got a good deal. So equipment's an easy thing, but just don't invest in equipment until you just absolutely have to. Uh, there is a breaking point, but if you're just starting, you're not at that breaking point. When you're to the point you got so much money rolling in the door and your time becomes an issue and not the money, then we can start talking about that. The, the next thing that we find is team. I need to be able to pay myself and my team. So let's just put myself on the side for a minute. I'm going to assume you still have a day job. Let's think about the team. Um a lot of people, they want to go out and hire. And remember that stat I just told you about? The Small Business Administration now is saying X percentage of business. I don't know the stats, you know. Of course, I've already said I don't believe in the stats. But businesses who have employees tend to go out of business faster. And this is true. With, this is not a political statement. This is true with the Obamacare. Um, and But it's just one of many business regulations, and it's not the Democrats' fault. The Republicans do the same stupid stuff. They, they just, no matter what they say, they all do it. There's so many regulations, and a lot of them are tied to having an employee. So there, there's taxes that you have never heard of in your life that you will be paying because you have employees. Uh, so you do that when you have to do it. Uh, and this is not, I'm not against having employees and I'm not a, any of that type of stuff. I'm just saying going out and just hiring somebody as an employee is usually a stupid move. Watch the big giant companies. They don't even do it. They get contract firms and they bring in contractors. And here's why. And by the way, this is why you should do it. You hire on a project by project basis. I have a guy that does, we have some real estate and I have a great guy, uh, Edgar, and Edgar's a great guy. He comes in, and I say, Edgar, I'll send him a text message or call him and say, Edgar, I got this house. And I, we, just, he, we just spent $4,000 with him on a house. I said, this house, something's happened in the bathroom. The floor is rotten. It needs some work. Can you, can you put it back right? Can you make it right and put tile in the bathroom? Um, and, and so Edgar goes up there and looks at it and says, well, it looks like some of the joist underneath or rotten, you know, all this. I know a little bit about carpentry, but I don't want to do it. So Edgar goes in there. Now, Edgar is kind of the general contractor guy. So then he goes out and grabs some friends of his that are experts at tile and that are experts at laying floor or experts at sheetrock, whatever he needs, and he fixes it. But he doesn't hire these people. He just gets them on contract and says, hey, you know, I'll come out here and I'll pay you a thousand bucks to do it. Um, and by the way, I've used Edgar multiple times. I don't employ Edgar. He works for lots of people. But when I need him, I call Edgar. 
and say, Edgar, can you help me? So I pay a check to Edgar. It's a company-to-company expense. Edgar gets the job done. I do the same thing for graphic arts. I do the same thing for um, uh, a lot of my website setup. You know, one time my website was having issues. And even though I have some technical skill, I realized, you know, I don't know how to do this and I don't have the time to investigate it. Um, So I hired a guy on Elance at the time. It's now called Upwork. Um, So I hired a guy, and Upwork is a great place if you're doing any kind of uh, office-y type work. Podcasting, websites, transcription, writing, emails, anything, probably even beyond that. Programming, Upwork.com, U-P-W-O-R-K. Upwork.com. You can go hire the people you need to get the work done on a one-on-one basis. You don't need to go out and uh, you know invest tens of thousands of dollars. Like probably my typical Upwork expense is a couple of hundred bucks. I'm rarely spending. I'm like with Edgar to redo a house is four thousand. That's a high expense for us. Um, but we typically, when we hire somebody on Upwork, unless it's a continual type of job. It's a couple hundred bucks. Maybe it's even, I've hired somebody for 80 bucks to do something. And I remember when I hired her to do it for 80 bucks, I was trying to do it myself. And I thought, wow, for 80 bucks, she just saved me a massive amount of time, did a great job. So the reason for doing that is number one, you don't want to incur all the mistakes and the legal issues of hiring. You don't want to incur the issues of having extra expenses and believe it or not i see a lot of people who hire people and then they're stressed they were stressed because they were trying to do the work and then they become stressed because they're trying to keep that employee busy it's just it's comical to watch and i know because i've been guilty of it and i thought somebody was probably laughing at me as i did it is you're trying really hard to keep that person busy because you want to get your money's worth and now you're working hard to keep them busy. Don't do that. You just hire people as you need them when you need them. Here's the beautiful part about that. If your business grows like you want it to, you develop relationships. You find you start, you keep going to the Edgars of the world over and over and over again. And one day Edgar calls you up and says, you know what, I'm just working for you a ton. Why don't we come up with some employment relationship? Or you call Edgar. You know, you have these things where you develop a more long-term relationship, a committed relationship. I have friends of mine in the blogging world, podcasting world that do that, that are doing that right now. They're kind of making these conversations and saying, you know, you've done a lot of work for me. Why don't we develop this exclusive relationship where you just work for me and, and we'll do something, we'll make a win-win. So the more profit I make, you make a profit. And then they make it work for everybody. Right? It's not a flat salary. Because, look, you're working with people. You can pay them however that makes sense to empower them, to get them to do that. But the powerful thing about this, and this is why the big companies do this, they hire contractors. Because when you hire an employee on a contract, if you don't like the employee, you don't have to go through firing them. You can just call the contracting company and say, please don't show up again. No legal issue. But when they know they like them, then they tend to hire them. And you see this happen all the time. You probably see it in your own companies. It's a great way to get a lot of people in the door and to test them to see how they operate in your environment, to see how they get along with the team, to see if they perform, to get past the resume stuff, to really get to know people. 
it's the same thing you want to do. So it's a great thing to, to just look at this uh, as a way to get people in the door. Now let's talk about you and your salary. This is one thing I hear all the time. People say, I quit my day job. I need to make an X amount of money uh, to, to pay for myself. Well, don't quit your day job. It's just kind of st stupid, isn't it? That kind of sounds simple. Look, you, if you quit your day job, and especially if you have a family, you become your own liability. You end up with a lot of family stress. You just end up with a lot of stress. Uh, you literally become a liability to your company. You may think you're a liability for um, because you don't have enough time to invest in the company otherwise, but look, there's something really powerful about a company, and we'll talk later about this one in a later episode. There's something really powerful about a highly focused employee, I mean a highly focused company owner who only has about an hour a day to work on their business. That's powerful because you become highly focused. When you quit your day job and you get eight plus hours a day, you tend to do stupid stuff and you don't use your time effectively. You actually get less done. I've seen a lot of people that have moved from day job, quit their day job, move to full time in their business, and they find they're less productive. And it takes them a while to get into the mode of being productive in their new, you know, their new full time business owner job. So just don't quit your day job. The uh, the other part of this, you know, in terms of your your expenses and your your team building is just really managing the cash flow. You know, cash flow is a big killer in a business. Um, so to, the, the way you do that, I mean, the, the magic part of that is just keeping your expenses really, 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 really low. Zero is perfect. But this is why you don't want to take on employees. You don't want to buy equipment on, on terms. You obviously don't want to go buy a, a dump truck with a loan because now you got every month expenses going on. That's why you really don't even want to have a business presence in a building that's got $1,200 a month in rent or more. Cash flow becomes a big killer. Um, I've seen a lot of businesses that are very profitable on the books, but the money wasn't rolling in the door. In other words, um, I remember one, they were selling to the U.S. government. A lot of the stuff was sold to the U.S. government, the Department of Education, and they found that they were getting paid six to nine months after the work was done. So they had tons of profit on the books, tons of money showing up in, in their balance sheets. All those kind of things looked great, but they didn't have any cash to pay the employees. They were really struggling. So you just kind of keep a tight, I mean, just think about cash. Cash is king. Keep a tight rein on that cash. And so that's the reason you don't want to buy any equipment. You don't want to have any loans. You don't want to have anything where you just have to pay something. You pay for things when you need them. You do that by not hiring an employee. You do that by not quitting your day job. You do that by not buying equipment. You just get the jobs done. Cash coming in the door and not out. Uh, and then you buy when things make sense and question yourself when they make sense is when you start buying stuff. So that's that's kind of the that's kind of the people game. Uh, let's now talk about the marketing game. I told you there was a couple of things that people say they need to spend money on. One was equipment. Hopefully we've beat that one and <laughs> beat that dead horse. The other's people. The third one is marketing. And this is a really, really big challenge. 
because people will say, well, I need to spend money to, on a marketing message. What does that mean? Well, it used to mean uh, newspaper advertising, magazine advertising. Now it tends to be Facebook advertising. You know, you can look at Facebook advertising and say, well, it's fairly cheap. And it is. But you can rack up six grand a month and set Facebook advertising in a hurry. And for most small businesses, that pretty much kills them uh, because they don't have the revenue coming in. Their, their ads aren't well-placed. They don't have a well-defined customer. Um, and you're like, well, Dale, how do you get all that? You grow slow. For marketing, you grow slow. And be okay with that. Be okay with pulling in customers. The easiest and the most powerful way to gain new customers is from an old customer. Somebody who has paid you already, or maybe you've even done the work for free as a volunteer, or you've worked with them, they're the people who are your most powerful advertising. Even when you start having, even when you have the money to pay for advertising, those people are still the most powerful marketing piece of material that you have. I think I just ran a sentence or two together. Uh, you work with those people. And we in the sales world, they call it referrals. You do a great job for somebody. Who else might need this? And then you call them up and say, hey, I just did some work for Sam. You know, uh, wonder if you need any work. Uh, like my friend Edgar, I was telling you about, you know, if Edgar calls me up and says, Dell, I want to, do you know any other people with rental property that might could use me? I would tell them their names because they may not, not, they may not need Edgar right now, but if Edgar calls them and kind of develops a relationship over the phone, they'll need him later. And if people call me and say, Hey Dale, who do you do this with? Which they do. I'll say, Hey, call this dude. It's your most powerful thing. Is it cheap? I mean, I mean, is it fast? No. Is it effective? Very effective. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's lots of great ways to engage current customers or past customers to really just contact them and ask them directly for referrals. You already have relationships there. In the marketing, the other thing is you just use sweat equity. You know, go to buy people's front doors and stick flyers on the doors if you're a service company. You know, you just be places and you do places where it's more of your time and your energy than it is a marketing company doing it. Marketing is a, is a, is a dangerous, dangerous thing because people will tell you, especially the marketing companies, that you need to invest in marketing. Good companies invest in marketing. Just be careful with the advice you take. Which gives me to that next part. There's two major lies in, how, in, in putting money in small companies. The first one is related to what I just said, is you have to invest in things to grow. That's a true statement. Uh, I will agree with that statement. But it's usually not told to you in truth. You will need to take some risk, and you're probably going to have to invest some money but usually the people telling you that you have to invest in things to grow are people who are selling you the thing. Or they're in a different position than you. Right? So if somebody's selling you and saying, hey, other companies like yours have invested in our service and have grown, that may be a true statement, but be careful because they're not unbiased, right? It's your money they're after. 
And also, if you're looking, if you're, I'm going into a lawn care business and I'm looking at somebody that's 10 years ahead of me, what they invest in and what I invest in are two different things. We're in, di- we're in wildly different positions. I can't invest like they do now. Even percentage-wise, I have to invest. Um, there's a famous book called Guerrilla Marketing. It's an old book, but uh, you, you can still find the concepts. But it was, uh, it was investing kind of like guerrilla warfare. Invest like a gorilla, uh, like, like guerrilla warfare. You don't have the same amount of money. You don't have the same amount of manpower. You don't have the same amount of anything as the other companies. How do you do it for free or on the cheap? And you can. There's great ways to do it. I remember this great, great story in marketing. Um, and it may come from guerrilla marketing. So think about this. You're a local pizza company. This is before the Domino's and the Pizza Huts and all came to the world. But you're a local pizza company, and this big, giant, monolith pizza company comes to town and takes out a whole one-page, yellow-page ad. Remember the yellow pages? <laughs> it was the you know the gold of the marketing at that time. They take out a yellow-page ad that says, you know, has hey, the free pizza, the pizza company, great deal. You can't compete with that because if you know anything about yellow-page ads, as they were, it was very expensive advertising, especially a whole page. So this little mom-and-pop pizza company thought, well, what can we do? We can't take out the yellow page ad. We just don't have that kind of money. Which I guarantee you the yellow page people were telling them you need to take out this page. Right. So what they did is they put out a little radio ad. They spent a little bit of money on a radio ad and said, hey, we'll give you so much off your next pizza. Just bring us that yellow page ad from our competitor." Now, you may consider that vandalism, I don't know, but you can imagine within just a couple of weeks, those yellow page ads that those that other company had paid so dearly for had basically disappeared out of every phone book that mattered. And so without with spending a very little money, they made the other money obsolete. So you just got to think creatively to do marketing. Don't think with your checkbook or your wallet. Think creatively. So that's the first lie that I say that I see all the time is you have to invest. Look, just take it slow, invest when you can and when you have the cash and when you can see the payoff in the near future. The second lie is that debt is normal. Yeah, that's the lie I hear all the time. People even say, well, oh, you're a Dave Ramsey fan. Yeah, but he's not talking about business debt. He's talking about personal debt. If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey... I'm a big fan of Dave Ramsey because he's a common sense guy. If you ever listen to Dave Ramsey, you realize that's a lie. It's not what he says at all. He's not against debt and business debt, but it's just usually stupid. That's what I found too. It's just usually stupid. Debt is normal, and people will tell you that all the time in business. And they'll look at things like Apple and you know Microsoft, and hey, these guys borrow money. Well, you got to look a little deeper. They don't really borrow money in the way that we think about. They they. They do bridge loans and they do weird stuff, uh, but it's not for the same reason. They're not borrowing money to keep their company afloat. They don't need it. They're cash rich. So you never borrow money for a business startup. That's my rule. Do I have friends that have borrowed money for a business startup and succeeded? Yes. Uh, would they argue with me? Probably. Uh, do I have lots of friends who've gone out of business? Yes. 
and probably so do you because they got a loan. Usually it becomes the deal killer because it's that monthly expense now that kills the deal. It kills the cash flow. So uh, it's one of the major reasons businesses fail. And the problem with a business failure if you have debt is when the business does fail, you still owe the money. I have lots of people I work with that are still paying business loans from years ago when the business is far and gone. The loan's still there. The bank wants their money back. And oftentimes, debt is the reason for the failure. So these kind of things here, these just some of the places, hopefully gives you some thoughts about what you can do to get money. You know, these are the kind of things that we work with in our mastermind groups. These are the kind of things that when I coach people, I just challenge them. And, and it's so funny. I mean, it's funny, but we're, we're all guilty of this, right? We, we have this shiny object syndrome. We want to go buy the new truck, the new computer, the new tool, the new stove, the new whatever it is. We want to buy it, and we justify it as a business expense. And then we talk to somebody who has kind of been there before, and we realize, well, that's kind of stupid. What I really want is a successful business, not a toy. And the toys come as, as a matter of making the business run better and faster. And yes, you will end up doing that. If your business grows, you will end up spending money on some of these quote-unquote toys. So one of the things that I have found that kind of gets me and other people in trouble in business in terms of money is listening to the advice of others. Now, this is comical because I'm sitting here giving you advice, right? Uh, <clears throat> whether you ask for it or not, that's what I'm doing. And, and by the way, so are a lot of other people. They're going to say, well, my advice is to do this. Or you might ask for advice. You Listen to the advice. Even this, listen to the advice, but use your own brain. Every business is different. Now, if you go out and they're saying, my business is different, you don't understand, Dale, I need to go in debt. I think you're a fool. But every business is different still. There are unique circumstances um, and this is especially true when you need to spend money, when people want to spend money. Um, you know, we always hear you need to buy this or you need to buy this. Look, I'm in mastermind groups and my friends are all business owners and I highly, highly respect them. And they will say, Dale, you need to spend money on this or that or this. Um, and there's times that I listen, times that I don't, times that I wish I did, times that I wish I didn't. Because, you know, their business, no matter how closely we're aligned, their businesses are different than my business. And that's the point. It's your business. It's your profit. All that matters in the business is profit. I mean, it's not all that matters, but that's really all that's going to matter to you initially is profit. Because if there is no profit, the business dies very, very quickly for one of two reasons. Number one, you got no money to sustain it. Or number two, you lose interest. So profit becomes the king. I mean, cash is king in just the day-to-day -day activities. But profit becomes the key and the king motivator to keep you going in the business. How you look at your profit is unique to you. So even if you have friends in similar businesses and similar situations, it's still your business and you still have to decide how to do it. But do it smart. Use your money wisely. 
make wise decisions. And anytime you're about to spend money, anytime, especially if you're thinking you need to go in debt, start looking for alternatives. And that's really all the whole point of this whole podcast is. Look for alternatives. How can I do this with less or with nothing? That's the key to getting your business going from zero dollars of income to hundreds of thousands of dollars of income. Have a great week. Enjoy being with you.